Hello and welcome back. It has been a while. Thanks for tuning back on in. Um, this is going to be something a little bit different. I decided that I don't have capacity for the podcast at the moment, but I still want to talk to you guys. <laughs> I still have a lot to say. Um, so I was thinking about how can I do this differently now that I have two children and way less time. Who would have known that two children would be more work than one and you'd have less capacity than ever before? Anyway, um, and I thought, right, I'm going to do a little series of mini solo episodes about what I wish I'd known about postpartum and everything to do with postpartum before I had a baby. So I'm calling it the What I Wish I'd Known series. And it's kind of inspired by the course that I'm building at the moment that's coming out in a few weeks, which is basically everything that I'd wish I'd known about postpartum but didn't. Um, which led to me having a really shithouse first postpartum, which if you've been a long-time listener of the podcast, you'll know all about, which led me into this work, which led me to actually creating this podcast. So I'm in a weird way grateful for what happened, but I also wish that I could go back and tell myself, teach myself so much. And I also never want to see or hear about another new mum feeling the way that I felt because it was really, it was really, really hard. So this course that I'm creating is um, an education course um, filled with little mini videos, very easy to listen to, listen to it like a podcast if you want, as well as cooking videos and recipes. So you can fill your freezer and your pantry full of postpartum appropriate foods that will help with your healing, will help with your milk supply, um, and will help you get the nourishment that you need. So that's what I'm doing. Um, there is a little sign-up link if you want to be on the waiting list for it, but I'll let you know when it comes out. And the new series of the podcast, What I Wish I Known, will be covering a whole bunch of topics in a very mini kind of way. Today we're talking about breastfeeding. I can't talk to you about breastfeeding for five hours, um, which is probably what, <laughs> you know, um, would be good, but I'll be going into depth in the course. And in this episode, I'm just going to share a few little things that would have made a big difference to my journey had I known them before I'd had my baby, my first baby, Margot. I did know them for my second baby and it made a massive difference. <clears throat> Excuse me, my breastfeeding journey second time around was so much easier. My whole postpartum second time around was so much easier um, because of what I learned and put into action from my first postpartum. So this is going to cover things like breastfeeding. We're also going to be talking about sex and relationships, friendships, food, um, mental health, the mental load, um, all the things, all the things. So keep tuning in. They're just going to be quick, short takes of mine. So let's get into breastfeeding. I'm going to have a little sip of my tea. I'm drinking from a booby ceramic cup just to, you know, to keep it in theme. Okay. The first thing I wish I'd known was that you can actually get prepared. I wish I'd known to do some education. I wish that instead of thinking, well, it'll be fine. I've seen people breastfeeding and my mum breastfed me and, you know, how hard can it be? I wish I'd actually gone and done some education. There's so many courses around that are specifically on breastfeeding. Um, 
uh, the ABA has like in-person classes where you can actually go and there's often people who come in and will breastfeed in front of you so you can see how it works. Um, and just interesting, I won't go too much on a tangent, but <clears throat> the theory around that is that we need to actually see people breastfeeding in order to kind of understand it. There's a story from America where there was a gorilla who rejected their baby. They were had been born in captivity, this mother gorilla, and they um, rejected the baby because they couldn't work out how to feed it. They just didn't know what to do with it. So they were the keepers, the zookeepers were trying to desperately find a way to get this mother to bond and feed with her baby. And someone happened upon the idea to get the local La Leche League, which is like the Australian Breastfeeding Association, to come and feed their babies in front of the gorilla window. Oh, my God, it's making me tear up. I'm due for my period, so I feel like this is probably going to be like the first of many tearing up. And so this group of women and their babies came and parked themselves in front of this mother gorilla with a you know glass window between them and breastfed their babies. And lo and behold, mother gorilla picks up her baby and starts to breastfeed. She just needed to see someone else do it. If I'd known what to expect from breastfeeding um, and how it all worked, uh, things sort of felt really different for me. If I had known about night two, things would have been different for me. If you don't know about night two, I'll be talking about it more in depth in the course, but basically night two is when the baby calls in your milk. So baby's born, they often have a nice long sleep after the hectic journey they've been on. Um, ideally, you're resting at that point too. And then Bubba wakes up and is hungry. And remember, they only have tiny tummies at this stage, about the size of a marble. But what they're doing is exactly what they're supposed to be doing, which is going nuts and wanting to feed all the time, which is signaling to your body to produce milk. But if you don't know what's going on and you've got this baby who's like wanting to be on the boob all the time and seems ravenous and cranky, chances are you like me will be like what is this why is my baby not letting me sleep what are they hungry do I need to chop them up no you don't because if you do chop them up you'll interfere with that very important process of getting your body to produce milk and then your milk supply won't establish um you need it to happen but if you're not prepared for it and you don't know about it it will stress the hell out of you just the hell out of me sent me on a full anxiety spiral I actually sent Michael home on night two to be with our dogs because I thought I would be fine if I'd known I would not have done that so I wish I'd known I wish I had um, prepared myself for that um, and I wish I'd just known about some of the mechanics of breastfeeding the whole idea of supply and demand um, I'd heard some random stuff my mum had told me things like 10 minutes one side 10 minutes the other side which is bad advice. Um, and then, you know, I found out that she had loads of mastitis, which uh, I know why. I wish I'd understood about, you know, the concept of draining the breast in order to get the breast to fill again. Um, there's just so much. I mean, this is in itself, you could do so much um, prep on this, just having an understanding. Breastfeeding is natural, but it's also a learned skill. And it doesn't come naturally to most people because we haven't done it before. And often we haven't seen it happening. Um, yes, maybe if you've grown up and you've been, you know, a teenager and you've had a, been around lots of small babies and seen it firsthand, you might have, you might 
feel more like you know um, more how it works, but that's not most people. Um, we don't know how to hold our babies in the kind of um, optimal positioning that will help protect our nipples from getting damaged and help the baby latch deeper and for it not to be hurting us. Those are things that I could have prepped. Those are things that I could have known. The other thing that I think would have really helped me would be to know that it's okay to follow my baby. It's okay for you to follow your baby. Ah, This is a really big one because I feel like there's so much noise out there around sort of the combination of breastfeeding and and sleep, right? Because it's very connected. You know, babies breastfeed to sleep. It's a it's really natural. There's hormones in our milk that makes them sleepy. They breastfeeding is not just for food, it's for comfort, it's for soothing, it calms them right down, it regulates the nervous system. But in this kind of culture that we have where sleep training is really dominant, um, there's this view, mainstream view, that kind of goes, well, you shouldn't be feeding your baby to sleep. Um you should do feed, play, sleep, like chuck the play in the middle so that you're not letting them go to sleep on the boob. Um, there's all kinds of rules, you know. There's all this feed, baby should be fed every two to three hours. Baby should be doing this. Baby should be doing that. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. I would just say they're all different. You have a unique human that you're raising and you are a unique human yourself. And it's about the relationship between you and your baby and not about what your mum or your mother-in-law or, you know, the neighbour or your best friend thinks or has done in the past because they're not you and their baby is not your baby. Um, It's about learning your baby, watching your baby, getting a hang of their cues and don't expect that to happen overnight. Like you can't remember people saying to me, I'll trust your intuition. I was like, I don't know what my intuition is. I don't know. I don't know. And that stressed me out more. And I think what I would prefer to have been told or what I do tell people people is um, find what feels right. And that takes trial and error. Like it's not something that you'll just happen on. Well, you might, you might just happen on it instantly. It feels good and it feels right and you just go and do that and it's working. Great. But it might be you try something and, oh, that didn't quite work. Okay, you try it again. No, it really didn't work. Definitely doesn't feel good for me. Okay, so we try something else. This feels familiar. This is working. Okay, this feels better. Let's go with this for a while and see how we go. Um, You know, not watching the clock, not timing stuff on an app and stressing yourself out it's not about like babies don't give a shit about clocks we didn't have clocks when we were cave people babies want to be close to you and they and being on the boob kind of enables that it's not necessarily about hunger um it's really such a fallacy when you hear people saying oh well they're you know if they've got a clean nappy and they're warm and they're fed then they should be fine and you should put them down in their cot and if you, you know, cuddle them too much, you're spoiling them. What an absolute load of bullshit. Um, Babies need closeness and connection to develop their brain. Full stop. Um, You know, I I really can't bear that that idea. You know, that's like saying to someone, like, if you had a best friend who was uh, crying and upset, but you're like, well, you've just had dinner and, you know, you look kind of clean and warm to me. So like, what are you going on about? I mean, get fucked. It's a tiny baby. Babies can't can't regulate 
themselves. They have to co-regulate with a caregiver. So don't time, don't try and put them on some kind of routine. Newborns don't, like, don't even bother. Do not bother. It will be to the detriment of your best breastfeeding journey. If in doubt, whip it out. Feed them if they're hungry. Feed them if they're just snuffling around. Follow their lead. They are going on their instincts and you can't argue with instincts. And the final point that I'd like to make, what I wish I'd known, is that it's okay to need support. In fact, it's okay to need lots of support. And it's more than okay. It's normal. And it should be, well, A, it should be subsidised. I wish it was free to see like a really good IBCLC, International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, which is the sort of top tier of people who have to sort of keep their, their, um, what's it called, qualifications up. Um, It's not. It is a cost. Um, But, you know, I think it should be normal to put aside, you know, a few hundred dollars if you need to see a lactation consultant, you know, a couple of times when you're in postpartum. Um, I think that should be like I started saving for postpartum before I was even pregnant um, because I knew that I wanted to have those funds at my fingertips should I need a IBCLC or a massage or to go to the osteo. Um, it's really normal to need support and I'd say 95% of the percent of the women that I support that I know have needed some kind of support. It hasn't just been, you know, it happens for them super easily, um, super quickly. And that support might just look like something like someone showing you a better position. For me, when I got the IBCLC to come in and see me and Margot, most of what she did was tweaking the positions that I was holding her in. Um, Things like instead of holding her head in the crook of my elbow, she put her head on the um, like on my forearm, turning the, her tummy into me, things like that can make a massive difference. And it's crazy how much difference they can make. Then there is, you know, there are um, things that need more help, like an undersupply issue, an oversupply issue. By the way, undersupply is a big fear of people, which has been sort of pushed in the past by, I won't even go into my rant about that. I'm not going to go on that tangent, but Undersupply only affects 5% of women. Now, it's a real issue, but there is a solid chance that it's not really undersupply. Um, and that's where you need a, an IBCLC to come and help you assess that. You can't, um, you can't know. There's the way to tell, to think, the, the things to look out for are how many wet nappies baby's having. Six wet nappies in 24 hours means the baby is having enough fluids um, and a poo. Pooey nappy. Um, yes. So my point is that uh, you might need a little bit of help. You might need a lot of help. That's okay. Most people do. Um, so let's just celebrate that. Let's make it a normal thing. Um, let's make an IBCLC an appoint- appointment, something that we buy as a gift voucher for someone at their baby shower, you know? Those are three points that I would have made that would have made a big difference to me in postpartum. One, do the prep. Learn how it works. Learn about what to expect. Two, follow the baby. And understand that they're all different and you don't need to put them on a routine. And, in fact, that's probably detrimental to your breastfeeding journey. And three, support, support, support. 
and lots of it. This is normal, normal, normal. I hope that's been useful to you. Um, please jump over on to Instagram at Cocoon by Naomi to follow me for more. I'm, I show up there all the time, probably too much. Um, I'm going to aim to get some little mini episodes like this out once a week. And please get in touch with me on Insta or by email, Naomi at Cocoon by Naomi.com. If you would like to be popped on the wait list for my online course, which is coming in just a few weeks. It's so nice to be back and chatting to you guys again.